come on. Oh, I love the energy. Third service always brings the energy. I love it. It's great. One person said something right after that. It's awesome. Prophesying over this service. It's the energy service. Come on. Can I have you guys uh, just humor me for a moment? Can I have everybody stand up, please? Can we all stand? And go ahead. Turn to your neighbor. Say, neighbor, this is going to be good. And turn to your other neighbor, your second choice. Say, neighbor, you're going to need this. And then give them a hug, give them a high five, kiss them if it's appropriate. Uh, maybe try it. Who knows? Who knows what could happen? Uh, and make sure you give them some love. You guys can find your seats. I just need you guys loose for today. I- I'm really excited to be able to preach this word. I got a good one for you. How many were here last week for service? You guys get something out of that last week? It's great. Five people. It's awesome. Thank God for what I do. It's amazing. Um, I appreciate you guys coming uh, to church this Sunday. I'm really excited for, for what uh, God's going to share with you today. Uh, I have a couple things I want to share and highlight before we get into the message. Uh, but first and foremost, uh, I mentioned this last week, but uh, I am responsible for the student ministries of our church. Now, we have Activate, which is middle school, Change Up, which is high school. Shout out to Richie over here. We have Young Adults, which is 508. And uh, I want you to know I'm a huge proponent and I'm a believer and an advocate of student ministry. My life was transformed and changed in student ministry. And if you want your students to look like me, I'm just kidding. Don't, you don't want that necessarily. If you want your students, I'm telling you, Pastor Chris Mendez, he said this this one time. I thought it was so powerful. He goes, beware and be cautious. If you bring your students or you bring your kids, their lives will be transformed forever. And so I just wanted to highlight our student ministries for a second because I believe in young people. How many, how many know this church believes in young people? And so we invest in the young people of our church. And so I want to ask you uh, to trust us with your team. We have incredible leadership and I believe young people can change the world where they just need to be believed in. Amen? And so I'll highlight that for a second. I do want to recap our message from last week. We, we started a series called I've Changed My Mind. How many, how many got some stuff out of the message last week? Uh, we talked about these three practical kind of biblical thoughts and ideas of, of learning how to feed your mind. Feed your mind truth, not trash. Come on. A lot of us can kind of ingest some stuff that's just unhealthy for our minds. So we got to feed on truth. We talked about freeing our minds and so we confront audibly what we hear silently come on a lot of us have some negative jacked up thoughts sometimes and then we talked about focusing our minds where we don't focus on things that are problematic we focus on our god we focus on things that are admirable true lovely pure we focus our minds and so we had this big idea this big thought of uh if you can't live a positive life with a negative mind how many know that's true that's facts right there. You can't live a, a positive life with a negative mind. Now, there's something I, I want to unpack briefly from last week that I also mentioned, which is the scripture in John chapter 8. It talks about if you know the truth, the truth shall set you free. And so we talked about if the truth can set you free, well, a lie can keep you captive. I want to bring this back and unpack something that I, I read this past week. There's a girl. Her name is Elizabeth Smart. Now, some of you may recognize this story. Her, this girl was 14 years old. She got abducted from her household, straight from her house. And these two abductors brought her in, tied her in her basement, and she was locked away for some time. Now, in time, this, this story became national news. It became public news and public knowledge in the entire world was basically looking for this one girl. Now, these guys, these perpetrators, had the audacity to bring this girl out into public and maraud her and parade her out all over the place uh, because they had all this pride and stuff. Now, they just covered her face. So she had a mask in public, and the very person they were looking for was still in the places that they were at. Now, there's a different sermon and story in there, but let me get to this principle. Is There was this one time in her book she wrote that she was in a library, sat down in the library, 
and literally a police officer sat an arm's length away from her when she knows she was being looked after and sought after. But because of what this man told her many different times, he said, if you say anything, if you tell anybody, I will kill you and I will kill all your loved ones and I will kill your family. So uh, she said, and she had an arm's length away from this police officer, and she said, I was this close to freedom, but because I believed lies from my perpetrator, I couldn't get free. I think there's a lot of us in this room, like we talked about last week, that have believed some lies. And I want to identify a few of them today because I believe we all have a struggle. We all have our side of humanity where we struggle with ourselves. And that's what I want to talk about today is the struggle you have against yourself because Scripture highlights this all over the New Testament and the Old Testament. I want to bring to light a couple different things. Now, I want to direct your attention to Romans chapter 7. And I got I to gotta be honest with you, the first time I read this, it was a little confusing. But when you break it down, when you understand it, it will change your life if you allow it to. Romans chapter 7, it says it like this. Before we go into Romans 7, actually, I forgot one thing, is we have this confession. I want you to say this confession out loud with me. Can you say it with me? Is this, in Christ, I am already free. I'm just learning how to stay free. Come on, say it two more times. In Christ, I am already free. I'm just learning how to stay free. One more time. In Christ, I am already free. I'm just learning how to stay free. All right, here we go. Romans chapter 7, it says this. I don't really understand myself. Pause. Anybody relate with this already? Why do I do the things that I do? I don't know. For I want to do what is right. Let me, let me give you a brief preface. Uh, some of this is a little confusing, so I need your minds for this. But I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But I, if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree the law is good. So I'm not the one doing the wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. Now follow me. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. And then the writer goes on. But if I do, this is where it gets confusing. If I do what I don't want to do, I'm not the one doing it. It's sin living in me that does it. I've discovered this principle in life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what's wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power, watch, within me that is at war with my mind. Hmm. It goes on. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person that I am. Who, that'll come back later, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. If you're taking notes, and I believe it's on your notepad, write down the title of the message. It's me versus me. Me versus me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to gather as a church family. I ask today, Lord, that there would genuinely be freedom from ourselves, that you would help us uh, because we, a lot of times, can't help ourselves. And so, God, I ask that you do the impossible today. Perform open-heart surgery on us, God. Do what you only can do. Uh, we ask that you would challenge us, change us, convict us today, Father. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Come on, everybody said? Amen and amen. Uh, I read this book this one time. Really, I spark-noted this book this one time. Shout out to all the C students. Uh, I was reading this book called A Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Anybody ever heard of this book before? And so uh, uh, I was reading this book, and let me give you a brief synopsis about what this book is about. Now, there's this doctor. His name is Dr. Jekyll. Morally good man, uh, wanted to do good for humanity, created these potions, all these different things. However, this man, this doctor, had this animalistic, savage-like nature on the inside of him known as Mr. Hyde. Now, Mr. Hyde would literally take shape. His body would conform and contort into this different animal. And this animal had a mind of its own. Long story short, 
The way the story goes is the animal, the Mr. Hyde side of him, actually ended up killing several people throughout the story. And spoiler alert, what happens is the only way Dr. Jekyll could get free from Mr. Hyde is he thought he could kill himself. That's the only way he thought he could get free. Now, somebody was interviewing the author of this book, uh, Robert Louis Stevenson, and he asked this question, where did you come up with the concept of this book? He goes, I was reading in Romans chapter 7, verse 15 through 24. And he said, I noticed that Paul identifies with his struggle. And I don't know about you, but when I read that, I'm thinking, Paul's talking about Paul, but Paul is talking about Devin as well. Come on. <laughs> don't agree with me. Agree with you, okay? <laughs> Paul is talking about us, the struggle that we all face. One person said, everybody's like a moon. We all have a dark side. We all have this side of us that we like to hide. And so Paul, uh, Robert Louis Stevenson begins to say, yeah, I could identify with this story simply because I know that there's this beast, there's this struggle going on on the inside of me. And I think what I want to bring to light today, and this is not necessarily good news, but this is good for you to know, is that all of us, especially if you are in Christ and you are a believer and you follow Jesus, you have two different natures on the inside of you. You have one person, but you got two different natures. You have this godly nature, and then you have this sinful nature. And these two things are constantly fighting with each other. Watch what scripture says. Galatians chapter 5, it says this. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your own good intentions. Um, anybody in here want to honor God with their life? Come on. I want to honor God with my life, with my words, with my business, with my preaching, with my relationships, with my marriage. I want to honor God in my life. But how many know a lot of times we have appetites and cravings to do things that we know we should not do. And I don't know why I still have those. You know, you see a pastor or a preacher up on stage. But a lot of times I still have serious struggles. Why? Because we all have a godly nature and a sinful nature. Now, I'm not going to tell you those struggles because some of you guys would judge me. But same thing with you. We won't tell some people our struggles simply because we're terrified to be judged, but we all have a sinful nature and a struggle. And so I want, I want to give you this, this thought because Paul asks this question. He goes, who will save me from this body that is subject to sin and death? Who will save me from this? And I think he asked this question because he remembers in ancient times, back where he was developed and raised in Tarsus, Saul of Tarsus is kind of the name that we were developed in. He remembers that this, the way they did something was so fascinating and so interesting. Now, let me, let me highlight it. I was reading in this commentary. What they did in ancient Tarsus is when they found a murderer, they would chain the body of the murderer to the murder victim. Now, they would do it back-to-back, -back, maybe face-to-face. -face, and so the murderer would have to carry around this body all throughout the town. Imagine getting groceries and carrying around a body on your back. It would be so awkward and so weird. And what this would do is it would do two things. One, it would be a constant reminder of the sin and the mistakes that you made. How many know shame follows us everywhere we go sometimes? Let me tell you something. God does not intend for you to carry that shame. And so this murderer would have to carry this body on his back or face to face everywhere he goes, reminding people and telling people, this is the sin that I committed. This is the mistake that I made. And the second thing that would happen in this situation is the body eventually would get so decayed and so grotesque, so disgusting that it would develop an infection. And the infection would get on the murderer and it would kill the murderer. Now, I say this story, again, to highlight some facts, which is this, is that all of us are chained to a dead man. All of us have this dead man that we are attached to and that we walk around with and maraud around with every single day. Now, I want to ask this question and propose this question today is how do I get free from me? How do I get free from me? Because this is what I've learned. When I get free from me, I get free from you. 
And when I get free from you, I get free from everybody else because I got free from me. A lot of times we think we got the fear of man. I think we have the fear of me. I think the struggle we face a lot of times is the battle and the fight within ourselves. And when we, when we overcome ourselves, we can overcome just about anything else. Come on. And so I, I want to give you a couple thoughts from this because I believe a lot of us believe these lies. A lot of us believe these lies and these struggles that we have. Uh, so I wrote down this first lie. Here's, here's this one. This is who I am. Write down this lie. This is a lie that I hear a lot of people say. This is just, this is just who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm an angry person. My grandfather was angry. My dad was angry. I'm just an angry person. This is just who I am. Well, it will, be, it will always be who you are if you keep confessing it that very same way. Come on, we talked about this last week. Come on, where are my amen people at? We talked about this last week. Is don't confess that it's your anxiety or your depression or your sickness or your anger. That is not who you are. See, a lot of us have this mistake we make a lot of times, which is we identify our struggle and make it our identity. Just because you have a struggle does not mean you are identified by your struggle. Are you following me today? Just because you have a struggle in anger or a struggle with lust or a struggle with whatever, fill in the blank, does not mean your identity is wrapped up in that. Stop saying that's who you are. Come on, that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. We need to identify that lie and expose that lie. Here's another one. Is this, is, is this, this is something I'll always have. I'll always have this. With that kind of thinking, absolutely. Scripture talks about, we highlighted it last week, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so if you think you will have the struggle, you will just give up on fighting it. Let me tell you something. God, so many different times, all paraded throughout Scripture and peppered throughout Scripture, he would find people that have a disease or an issue or an addiction for 20, 50, 70, 80 years, and he would meet them and immediately heal them. Let me tell you something. You may have a problem or a struggle or an addiction for years upon years upon years, but when you have one encounter with your God, I'm telling you, it can be eradicated and eliminated just like that because you had an encounter with the living God. Can I get an amen? Just because you've had it for a long time doesn't mean you can't beat it. And this is the last slide I just wrote down is I can't beat it. I can't beat it. And if you think that way, I promise you, you won't be able to operate in freedom. And so there's this thing. I remember reading this story. So powerful. Uh, there was a grandmother. She was a great-grandmother, really on death's row for quite some time. She was struggling. She was fighting for months upon end. And eventually this took place where she found out her granddaughter was going to have a baby. And so it would be her great-grandbaby. And she wanted to so badly meet this baby. She met this baby the day it was born, and two hours later, this woman died. Now, what that tells me is a lot of things about the human will. Now, can you, can you see the picture right here, the power of human will, the power of this woman's fight? She should have died probably three, four months before that took place, but she fought so she could see her kid, so that she could see her great-granddaughter. Now, can you imagine when you mix human will, the power of human will, with the power of divine assistance, the Spirit of God? You've been having this struggle for a long time. Oh, I feel preachy moment right here. You've been having a struggle for a long time. Don't underestimate the power of human will, but when you add the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you, the human will plus the Spirit of God, and I'm telling you, addictions can fall, chains can break, and you can have freedom today. Oh, man, Lord Jesus, I feel something. This white boy with the blue suit is preaching real good right now. All I'm telling you, you can have freedom today. And I want to give you two remedies when it comes to how to maintain your freedom. Because remember, in Christ, I'm already free. I'm just learning how to stay free. I'm free. I'm fighting for the freedom to be sustained. First thing I see from the text, Paul says this. I do the things I don't want to do. I don't know why I do them. It must not be me. It must be sin living in me that does it. He is, he is identifying that there's a struggle. 
He's saying simply, I'm frustrated, I'm jacked up, and I don't know what is wrong with me. He's being, write this down in your notes, honest. Honesty. You want to get free from you? First thing you got to do is you got to identify. You got to be honest. You got to have honesty. Now, I wrote this down in my journal the other day. If you don't get honest, you won't get free. And that's a sad, hard, cold truth. Now, being honest is a very tough thing. And I want to ask you guys today to humor me for a moment. Hear me with this story. Um, Natalia and I were getting married. It was a couple weeks before we were getting married. And somebody highlighted and mentioned to me, they said, we asked, they asked, where are you going on your honeymoon? I said, we're going to Cancun, Mexico. Praise the Lord, somebody. And so we said, we're going to Cancun, Mexico. I was so excited about it. And somebody said, well, um, you probably need a base coat, a suntan, so that your, your skin can prepare yourself for uh, the Cancun summer. And the problem that all of us white people have in the room is because winter is seven and a half months long. Come on. It's seven and a half months long. We don't get white. We get transparent. Come on. <laughs> That's the struggle. And so March comes around, and your boy is cousins with Casper the ghost, okay? It's a struggle. So I walk into this tanning salon. I think it's called Sun, Sun Loon or whatever it is in, in Milford. I walk in there. I walk up to the, I don't know, if that, that's probably not the name of the store. I, I walk into this place. I see this young lady sitting at the front desk. She's chewing her gum, smacking it, a little frustrated about it, but whatever. Different, different sermon for a different time, pet peeves. And uh, she's neon orange, of course. She, she operates on the products. And she goes, yeah, I'll give you the express package. You'll be in the suntan uh, booth thing for eight minutes. And so I go, fine, that's fine. I walk in, first time ever operating on a suntan thing. By the way, stop judging me, people, okay? Guys do this, okay? I need a base. I need, some, I need a tan, okay? So I'm getting prepared for the Cancun sun. Walk in. And she goes, it depends on you. You can take whatever you want off. Uh, and I go, I am not going to strip down completely, and I'm not going to go on that thing because I don't know what's been on that thing. I'm going to keep my shorts on. Get in there. Eight minutes later, pop back out. Now, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to one of these places before, but they give you these little stickers. Now, there's this little heart sticker that I just wanted to try out. I figured nobody's going to see this except for my wife. Put this little heart sticker on my side, peeled it off. Heart sticker was still transparent white. Right next to it, midnight black. Come on, somebody. And then I lifted up my shorts, and I saw this distinct line. I saw vanilla, and then I saw chocolate. Come on. And I learned this valuable principle that day, which is this, is that what you don't expose will never change. If you don't expose it, it will not change. If you conceal it, it will not be healed. And so I want to give you some, some courage today, as I know it's really hard. I know it's so hard to be honest with some people. And I've found just being exposed into ministry for a long time, we've been around a lot of people, a lot of marriages, a lot of relationships. And I've seen people of 30 years been married, but they're still not honest with each other. And I want to challenge some people in the room, you've got to get honest. Because if you want true freedom, you have to have honesty. And honesty is not, a hard, not, is not an easy thing to do because some of us have been betrayed. Some of us have been, our trust has been mishandled. But I want to encourage you today, get this a challenge from heaven today, is you have to be honest. Watch what Psalm chapter 32 says. This is so powerful. Anybody getting something out of this so far? Watch. When I kept it all inside, my bones turned to powder. My words became day-long groans. The pressure never let up. All the juices of my life dried up. And then it goes on. Then I let it all out. Come on. I think we want to get to that place where I let it all out. I just become who I am. This, I'm transparent. I said, I'll make a clean breast of my failures to God. Suddenly, the pressure was gone. My guilt dissolved. My sin disappeared. There is power in confession. Come on, somebody. Watch what James says. James says this. 
Make this your common practice. In other words, do this day in, day out, all day, every day. Come on. Thank you. <laughs> Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you can live together. What? Whole and healed. Come on, anybody here want to be whole? Come on, anybody want to be whole? Anybody want to be healed? Get honest. Get honest. It's not an easy thing to do, but if you want freedom, you got to get honest. Second thing I wrote down is this. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm, I'm going to keep on this for a second because I think it's, it's really good for some people. Um, you can't have honesty unless you have community. You can't have honesty unless you have a, a, a deep-rooted relationship. And I said this last week, but I want to say it and highlight it again. We don't do services simply just to do services. We do services so that we can drive you into community. We do not simply exist to be an event church. We are not a program church. We are a people church. And so that's why we want to offer you connect groups. That's why we want to offer you into community. That's why we offer our next steps classes so that you can get assimilated into the people of this church so that you can not just find friends, so you can find family. That's why we do what we do is because we want you to get, have a place where you can be honest with somebody and say, I got a deep-rooted, hard struggle. Watch. I remember reading this book, and somebody showed me this, 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 this story that paramedics are instructed, do not go to the ones, in, if they're going to an accident, the scene of a crime, do not go to the accident, and don't go to the people that are screaming first. Go to the people that are quiet. Now, now let me highlight a couple things from this. You're supposed to go to the people that are quiet. One, because people in pain indicate they still got life. Pain is not a bad thing. Come on, somebody. A lot of us try and avoid pain, but pain is just an indicator. You still got breath in your lungs. You still got purpose for your life. You still got life. Pain is not a bad thing. Pain can be, an, it can be something that is helpful and a solution to some of your problems. It is an indicator that God gives our bodies to say, you need to redirect something. You need to do something else. You need to try a different course. Pain is not a bad thing. Pain is actually a good thing. Come on. But paramedics are instructed, go to those that are quiet because they are in the most danger. And again, I might be harping on this thought, but hear me, if you don't get honest, you won't get free. And we got to get honest with ourselves. We got to get honest with our spouses. We got to get honest with people that we trust, because if you want freedom, you have to have honesty. Amen? Second thing I just wrote down is this, is intimacy. Intimacy. What do you have? If you want to get free from you, here's how you fight, and here's how you get free, is honesty and then intimacy. Honesty intimacy. I wrote this down in my journal the other day, and I believe it's something that PD has said to us many times is this, is you don't have a sin struggle, you have an intimacy problem. It's a relationship problem. Now, I remember uh, going down to Orlando, Natalia and I were on this little trip. We extended a vacation, had a little preaching trip. We were returning to uh, our airport. We were returning the rental car that we were operating in. And I forgot, on our drive there, I forgot, totally forgot that we were supposed to fill up our gas tank. Pulling to the nearest gas station near the airport, seven fifty is what the gas prices were. I thought to myself, Orlando is the modern day Sodom and Gomorrah. What is wrong with this place? Pull in seventy dollars later, I fill up this little Camry. I'm like, what is wrong? Why is this Camry seventy dollars to fill up? And so we pull back into the rental place, and uh, and we get a new rental. Different story, different time. All these complications. We pull in, get away from that rental. We drive five miles away from the original gas station that we got the gas from. Three dollars, three dollars a gas. I'm thinking to myself, what in the world is wrong with that gas station? They jipped me, and I realized that the closer you got to the airport, the more high prices the gas were. Hear me. The closer you get to your heavenly Father, 
the more value you will have, the more freedom you will experience, the more identity you will have, and the more secure you will be, the more insecure, insecurities will be released because you got close to God. Come on. I find that in, my, in this text, Paul says who? Who? He doesn't say what. He doesn't say where. He doesn't say how. He doesn't say when. He says who? Who will save me and rescue me from this body that is subject to sin and death? In other words, it's not some practice. It's not a principle. It's not some pragmatic solution. It is a person that sets you free. His name is Jesus. Come on, somebody. That's what sets you free. It is a relationship that sets you free. It is not something you do. Or stop trying harder. I wrote this down in my notes. Stop trying harder. Start getting closer. Lord Jesus, that's good. Stop trying harder. Start getting closer. See, I think a lot of times in our Christianity, we white-knuckle it. We just try and trek through it. We just try harder. I'm working on it. We say this all the time. You know, babe, you have some serious anger issues. I'm working on it. What does that even mean? How, do we, how are we working on it? We white-knuckle way too many things, but can I tell you, we need to, you need to stop uh, white-knuckling it. This is what happens. White-knuckling it, you can do that for a time, but you certainly can't do that for a lifetime. So you need to rely upon assistance. You need divine assistance to help you. I remember this one story. I remember uh, I was preaching probably five years ago. I was preaching from the stage about five years ago. I, I used this illustration about a spider. I had a video. People remembered it. I still, to this day, five years later, get tagged in a spider video every single week on Facebook. Now, if that's you in this room, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. <laughs> Stop doing it. I remember watching this spider video that somebody tagged me in. And uh, on this video, it, it, like, highlights and it circles this spider on this wall. And this guy was trying to capture this spider. And he, he, he goes in, grabs this little bucket, tries to capture the spider. The spider jumps out of the screen. And the volume turns way up. Of course, I'm like, what is that thing? I look, get closer and closer to the TV screen, and I freak out. I'm talking like up the hall, PMAX counseling a marriage. He's getting some people's marriages healthy and whole. Jerry just made a multi-million dollar decision, made the entire Connect Church businesses revenues go way, way up. Dad's doing 50, maybe 75-yard bench presses in his office. Meanwhile, the youth pastor of the church is cussing in his office. I'm thinking to myself, what is wrong with me? Gosh, that was, it was so bad. And I think this serves as a picture for us today that the closer we get, you know, the closer I got to the screen, the more fearful I got. And I think this is a picture of what it's like with relationships a lot of times. Is the closer we get to people, the more fearful we get. But let me tell you something about your relationship with God. The closer you get to God, the more freedom you will experience. You will experience freedom. You will experience liberty. You will experience a, a, a liberation from your sin struggle the closer you get. The more red hot and on fire you get, the more your struggle will fall apart and fall away. Come on, amen? Watch. Watch. This is what Scripture says. I'll, I'll back this up with Scripture. This is what it says in Galatians chapter 3. How foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Why are you trying to white-knuckle it? Why are you trying to keep trekking through it and do it by yourself? You need some supernatural, some divine assistance. I talked about it before. Human will, you can do a whole lot. But when you add the Spirit of God, you can break, break, you can break through things. You can have a breakthrough. You can deliver, be delivered from bondage simply because you're, de- you're relying upon divine assistance. And then it goes on. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Spirit is, now where the Lord is, sorry, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I learned this from Gateway Church. They have this incredible ministry. They say this, is that uh, freedom is not the absence of something, it's the presence of someone. 
So it's not you trying to get rid of some stuff. It's not the absence of your struggle. It is the presence of God, and that is where you get free. So you are a carrier of the presence of God. Our staff right now is reading this book, Practicing the Presence. And so if you learn how to practice carrying the presence everywhere you go, where the presence of God is, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And if you want freedom, bring God's presence wherever you go. Come on, that's where the spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. And then we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his image. With ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Watch. He says, we are being transformed. In other words, freedom is a process. Some of us have been struggling for 35 years with this addiction, with this sin, or with this struggle. And three months later, we've seen progress, but we're like, God, why have I not been delivered yet? Yo, freedom is a process. It takes some time. Give yourself some grace. Understand something. We are trying to, we are trying to uh, 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 go against and fight against how our soul has been programmed for a long time. Let me explain that thought. Um, when you come alive in Christ, Scripture says your spirit is coming alive. You guys follow me so far? Can you handle this? Your spirit comes alive. And so Scripture talks about in Ephesians how you were once dead in sin, but now you are made alive in Christ. And so when you're made alive in Christ, your spirit comes alive. You have, a, you have conviction now. You're aware of things you were not previously aware of, but for a long time, our soul has been programmed, our mind, will, and emotions, that's what soul is. Our mind, will, and emotions have been programmed for a certain way for a long time. And this is where you have this struggle, this fight, is your spirit and your soul are battling with each other. How many know it takes time for your mind to get renewed? Come on. It takes time for your decision-making to get renewed. It takes time for your will to get renewed. And so freedom is a process. Understand, give yourself some grace. Don't feel guilty and don't feel the shame if you still have struggle. God can heal it instantaneously, but a lot of times freedom is this process that God takes us on because he's trying to make the freedom be sustained and not just simply in a moment. That makes sense? Freedom is a process. Now, Romans chapter 7 is all about this struggle. We, we highlighted I do not do the things I want to do. I don't know why I do them. I do these things. Romans chapter 7 is all about the struggle, but Romans chapter 8, all about the victory. You ever read Romans chapter 8 before? This thing, it will change your life if you allow it to. And I want to read it to you in a moment. But hear me. Romans chapter 7, we can do these two things. We can, we can be honest and we can be intimate. And that's how we stay free. Romans chapter 8, this is all about the victory that God gives you. See, you can do your part, but watch, God will do his. God will do his, and this should bring you some comfort. Watch, I need you guys to say amen once you, once you hear this for the first time. Ready? Romans chapter 8. I did it for the New Living Translation and message paraphrase combined. Therefore, watch, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Anybody grateful today that you are not condemned for the things you did, that you have been set free and you have been saved and your sins have been forgiven forever? You are saved. Come on. You have no condemnation. There are no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Somebody say this theological term, salvation. Okay, I'm going to highlight four terms for you in a second. There's some heaviness to it, but I believe you guys can handle it. There's salvation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And it goes on. This is so good. A new power is in operation. Oh, man. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air. It goes on. Freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny. Somebody shout this word, justification. You are justified. In other words, your past, present, and future sins are permanently forgiven forever. Even the sins you consciously are aware of that you know you're going to commit later, they have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. You are justified in Christ. This is huge, y'all. Like, you are permanently forgiven. Can you believe? Somebody say, I am forgiven forever. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you're forgiven. 
and you need forgiveness. That was supposed to be a joke. It didn't really work out. They didn't get it. Whatever. You have been justified in Christ. And then it goes on. At the hands of sin and death. God went for the jugular. I love how heavy scripture is. God went for the jugular when he sent his own son. He didn't deal with the problem as something remote and something unimportant. In his son Jesus, watch. This is so powerful. Oh, my gosh. His son Jesus, he personally took on the human condition. Somebody say this term, substitution. Everybody loves a substitute teacher. Come on. We're like, we get to be free that day, right? Come on, where are, my, where are my troublemakers in the room? Yo, there's a substitute? Let's go. We're about to turn up in class. There's substitution. I heard this one time, and this genuinely revolutionized my life when I had a, when I had a revelation of this. Jesus didn't just die for you. Jesus died as you. Are you hearing that? Do you, do you understand that? Jesus didn't just die for your sin. He died as your sin. In other words, I was supposed to be on the chopping block. I was supposed to take that death, but Jesus took my death so I could take his life. Oh, man. So he gave us this abundant life, this life that we are now free from. I don't have to struggle with shame. And listen, if you're a Christian in here and you struggle with shame, that is not God's intention for your life. You have been forgiven forever. You have salvation. You have justification. You have substitution. And it keeps on going. Is this getting, is this good for anybody? Man, when I read this, I always get so excited. Entered this disorder of the struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. The law code weakened, as it always was, by fractured human nature. It could have never done that. The law always ended up, this is what I was talking about, your works. Your works always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin. The Bible says that your righteousness is like filthy rags. In other words, you can't work for your salvation. Who, who needs your works? People need your works. God doesn't need your works. You can get rewards in heaven, ultimately. But you, your works just act as a band-aid on sin instead of deep healing of it. And then now, what the law code asked for but we couldn't deliver is that we accomplish, instead of redoubling our own efforts, we simply watch. Embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. There's this term, sanctification. Somebody say sanctification. You have salvation. You have justification, substitution, and sanctification. Sanctification is, listen, God's working on you. I know you're working on you, but hear me. This should give you comfort. God's working on your life. Come on, does this, this help anybody? God is working on your life. He cares more about you than you care about you. And so he is in the process of making you more like Christ in this process of life. This is sanctification. Let me close with this story. I remember walking into uh, Lifetime Fitness, which is a, a gym I go to in Framingham. Walked in the doors to the left. I see all these people getting pampered at this spa. Come on. Come on, ladies. Where my ladies at? Okay, we got one person that likes to spa in this room. Apparently nobody likes to get pampered in here. Whatever. Uh, walked in. Looked to my right. I saw this massive restaurant. Come on, fellas. Somebody say something. Who, who loves some food up in this place? Saw this restaurant. I walked down the, uh, the hallway. I see all these racquetball courts. Any racquetball players in here? Didn't think so. Okay, great. Um, walk into the locker room. <laughs> Shout out to racquetball. We love that sport. Uh, walked into the locker room. And I, I entered into this entrance area. I thought I went back out of the entrance. Ended up going on this opposite side. I realized that there's these massive uh, Olympic-sized pools. And then you walk outside there. We have an outdoor water park at this place. It's ridiculous. Go up the stairs. See this massive training facility, 90 treadmills, two full-court regulation basketball courts. Go up the stairs again. They have all these myriad of different options from spin classes, Zumba. Shout out to the Zumba ladies in the room. That's really for my wife. She's a Zumba instructor. Love that girl. Uh, 
And then I see, I see like a boxing ring. I see all these different things. They had everything. They literally thought of everything in this one place, in this one gym. And I think this is a perfect picture of what it's like for, for the gospel message. Is he literally thought of everything. We got salvation in the gospel. We got freedom in the gospel. We got our righteousness in the gospel. We got our forgiveness in the gospel. We get our healing in the gospel message. We get our deliverance in the gospel message. We get our purpose in the gospel message because God thought of it all. You want to get free from you, you can fight for your freedom and fight to sustain your freedom with honesty and intimacy, but understand something. God thought of it all. He got you saved, healed, delivered, set free, and redeemed simply because God is just that good. Can I get an amen in this church? Come on, stand to your feet with me. He thought of it all. And when it's me versus me, you add God in that equation, you don't stand a chance because you'll get free from you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Some of us today are our own worst enemies, and we recognize that and we acknowledge that. And I want to tell you, our Lord and Savior, my Lord and Savior, Jesus, has set me free from things that I never thought I could be free from. Trust me, you see a young man up here, looks like he has some stuff together. I'm still in the process, but you should have seen who I once was. God has transformed this young man. And I'm telling you, he can do the very same thing for you. The things that you struggle with, the addictions that you've struggled with, the bondages or the struggles you've struggled with for 5, 10, 20, 15 years, even if it's been a week, I'm telling you, God can deliver that. God can deliver you from that right now. And I want to ask you right now to maybe open your heart to say, you know, I need to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. I believe in that miracle work in God. And ultimately, it's the greatest decision of your entire life. And so I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to boldly shoot up your hand and say, that's me. I want to, I want to give my life to Jesus. I believe in what was said today, and I want to give my life to Jesus because I know I'm a sinner. And so on three, I want you to raise your hand boldly and say, that's me. One, Jesus loves you so, so, so much. Two, today is your day for salvation. Don't you dare wait another minute. You do not know if tomorrow is promised. Three, if that's you, shoot your hand up if that was you. Thank you so much for that hand. I see your hand, and I see your hand. Thank you so much. I see your hand right there. I see your hand in the back there, my friend. Thank you so much. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Would everybody just repeat this prayer after me? Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And so, Father, right now I bow my knee to your Lordship, and I make you the Lord and Savior of my life. And from this day forward, I will trust in you, I will believe in you, and I will follow you all the days of my life. Father, would you seal that prayer in their hearts? And I thank you so much for those that made that decision for the very first time today. And I believe, God, that this will be the start, the genesis of an incredible life with you, the abundant life. Now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would uh, help them and guide them, direct their steps. We thank you that you do that and that you will never leave them, never forsake them, Lord. We thank you so much in Jesus' name. And come on, everybody said? Everybody said? Amen, amen. Hey, before... Before you guys are dismissed, I'm going to have uh, our campus pastors come forward. And Before you guys are dismissed, I have a little bit of time. I just want to pray for you. For those that kind of identify with that struggle, this the sin struggle that we have, or the, the bondage that we maybe have been in for some time, I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads one more time, and I really want to pray for you. And if it's you, if you identify with that, would you just lift your hands to heaven if you're comfortable and just act like you're receiving something? And so, Father, in Jesus' name, for every hand lifted in this room, 
I know that there are some serious ailments and some sicknesses that we, we cast out in Jesus' name. If there has been a physical situation or a physical ailment or a physical sickness over somebody's body, I rebuke it in Jesus' name and I declare healing and health over your body. Come on, I want you to agree with me, church. I rebuke that in Jesus' name and we declare healing and health over bodies. People that have been sick for some time, whether it be a long time, a short time, there is healing in this room in Jesus' name because God, your presence is here and freedom is here in Jesus' name. Father, I declare the mind of Christ over every single person in this room. Lord, that we would have renewed minds, that our thoughts, that the negative thoughts, the evil thoughts that we've been thinking, maybe even voices that we've been hearing, will be eradicated and eliminated in Jesus' name, that we think on things above. The only voices we hear is the voice of the Holy Spirit in our minds and in our heads in Jesus' name. Father, I declare the blood of Jesus from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet, that our church family would be a family so free, we can't help it but to liberate other people in Jesus' name. And come on, everybody said... Amen and amen. Thank you guys so much.